Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, Anthony Puccio, my man, how you doing? Randy, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, brother. Likewise, man. I know you're a very busy guy. The Brooklyn Nets are out there winning more than my New York Knicks, so you, they got you busy, man, every every single night. Every night, brother. Like, <laughs> like the Mari Carroll says, every day I'm doing it. That's right. Um, you know, first of all, man, I think it's good to see Brooklyn doing their thing out there, man. At least one New York team is performing right, and it looks like you guys will be in the playoffs very interested to see how that uh, plays out for you guys. You know, unfortunately for my Knicks, we got to wait till July 1st. Not, you know, not even the, the 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 draft lottery in May to find out, who you know, where we're going to pick and go so on and so forth. And I think July 1st this summer is going to be real big time for, you know, not only my Knicks, but also your, your Brooklyn Nets, man. No doubt. I mean, everything that the Nets have done these past couple of years with, with Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson just building up what they have right now. Um, I mean, they really, they had everything in terms of the New York City market and the amenities. It's, it was just, they needed to build, yeah. fill that void of, of winning. So now that they've done that, I think free agency is going to be real fun for them. Right. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at A-Pooch, A-P-O-O-C-H. He is the, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for both SB Nation and Nets Daily. So, that's where I want to start with you, um, Anthony. I uh, want to get you, uh, a little background from you of you know what got you into covering the Brooklyn Nets for SB Nation and Nets Daily, and where did the fandom for you start of being back then a New Jersey Net fan? Yeah, so Randy, I mean, look, I'll start with my, my Nets days. I mean, I was, man, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. My dad told me that he had gotten season tickets to the Nets. They just got this guy named Jason Kidd, and he said, I want you to learn the game from him. You know, at that point, I was already dribbling the ball in my left hand. I was doing everything I possibly could in my, my little driveway in the backyard in Queens. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he took me to a game. I'll never forget. It was my first game ever was against the Celtics. And he just said, and just watch number five. Just watch the way he plays. So, you know, the second that I, I stepped into the Continental Airlines arena, I watched the way these guys played. You know, these were the underdog team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody expected them to be as good as they were. And, and you know, I, look, I was coming from Queens driving out to Jersey with my pops. And, uh, you know, it, for for me and him, it, it, it formed the bond. And, and uh, you know, just going to games every, every night and every other night, whatever it might be, and watching these guys grow, 
Um, I just I fell in love with every aspect of it. You know, watching Jason Kidd, Kenya Martin. You know, watching these guys run the break, Kerry Kittles. You know, you talk about even role players like Lucius Harris and uh-huh. Jason Collins. Just it was a team that uh, it was it wasn't a one man show. It was, it, it was a, a one through fifteen team, much right. like these guys right now. So, you know, like I said, I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, as I got older, obviously. I, I watched every Nets game. I, I, I appreciated everything they did through the good and the bad. And, you know, I, I hit a point in my, my regular life, my personal life, where, you know, a lot of unfortunate things happened. Um, my father had lost his job and, and, and he got sick and he couldn't go back to work. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, my house was put under foreclosure and, and, you know, that kind of, you know, that was early high school for me. You know, as a matter of fact, Randy, HBO did a movie on my family about all this stuff. Mm. It's called Hard Times, Lost on Long Island. Um, nice. So, you know, I, I was I was pretty young at this point. I was in ninth, tenth grade. So I kind of had to, I had to, I had to grow up early. You know, I had to, I had to figure it out. Right. Um, so I figured I watch every Nets game. Why not write about it, you know? So 11th grade, I started writing about it on Microsoft Word. Uh, literally just recaps and whatever it might be, just opinion articles on players, whatever it was. And, yeah. and man, it, it came to a point where I was I was going to a community college and, and I had nothing. I really I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just figured out I'm going to keep writing. And, and I was sending my stuff around like it was, a you know, I was a rapper. <laughs> sending out mixtapes, mix you know, and you know, I wasn't even I wasn't even really looking for a paying job or anything like that. I just wanted advice. I just I just wanted somebody to just you know lead me in the right direction. So right. you know, that's where I got in contact with Tom Lorenzo, who was the site manager for Nets Daily, and mm. you know, he told me at the time I was only seventeen years old. He said, you know, you're really good at what you do. Just like you know, stay persistent, keep getting repetition, and and you know, circle back with me, you know, just, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And just to have somebody believe in you, I guess, especially for me, like I was going through a really tough time and, and, you know, my, my future was just, you know, I was very uncertain with things, you know, coming out of high school, we all know how that feels. Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of jolted me. It made me feel like my hard work meant something. And, you know, sure as, sure enough, you know, a year later I circled back with Tom Lorenzo and, and they needed somebody to do game recaps for Nets Daily. So, since that day, I have I've missed maybe five Nets games. I started in 2012, uh, 2013, so this is my sixth season. Mm. I was a freshman in college, and, and ever since, I just I, I've tried to make the most of it, um, turning game recaps into, you know, what I hope to be is a long-term career. Nice, man. Um, well, first of all, it, you know, it, it's a pleasure to have you on. The Retro Room, uh, episode nine, and this is a podcast that I just started, damn near a month ago, and you know, trying to trying to talk about the NBA and basketball, but not be so current all the time because, like, you know, I I, I assume you you go through it too, where it's like every day it's LeBron, it's the Warriors, it's Kevin Durant, it's Kyrie and the Celtics, it's James Harden the Rockets, and it's like that's cool, but it's like, all right. What else can you know? What can happen in one day? You know, uh, unless they get traded or whatever. So I figured I'm trying to find out who out there I can have convos with that would love to talk about throwback or retro stuff. And 
you know, I have you on because you do cover Brooklyn, but there was a lot of stuff that I could bring up about the New Jersey Nets. And, you know, with that team, with that team being one of the best Eastern Conference teams in the 2000s, along with, you know, Boston and Detroit, um, there's a lot of questions that I, that I could throw at you or throw throw at any New Jersey Net fan. So for those who don't know, like I've had about seven shows, eight shows, and you know I talk about the '90s Bulls and you know the 2000s Orlando Magic and um, the, the the '90s Portland Trailblazers and a bunch of what ifs. And I think when you go back and and think about it in retrospect, like what if. What if this happened? What if this trade did not go through? What if we had won a championship? What if, you know, this guy was not our coach? So all that nowadays, um, Anthony, we, we live in a world where nostalgia is coming back, whether it's sports, it's movies, it's music. So me just taking that leap of faith and say, hey, whether one person hears this or 100 or 150, I'm going to talk about these retro stories because I think it's, it's it, it's great to go back because now in our current generation of, of young kids, they don't know what happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Some, some, some may not know who J-Kid is. They may not know how great J-Kid was. So just having that convo with you and, and other New Jersey Net topics, I think it's good for, you know, for those kind of kids going on, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to, we have a problem in Brooklyn right now and then, and, and that's because they don't have they don't embrace the history at all. I mean, if you go to Barclays Center and you look at the Jason Kidd banner and the Eastern Conference Finals banners, they're in black and white. So I think this is something that's very important, especially when it comes to the Nets. People need to know their history is not Brooklyn. It's it, it goes back to Long Island and then mm-hmm. into New Jersey. Yeah, and then you know you mentioned J Kid. J Kid, I tell I tell everybody, Anthony J Kid is my favorite point guard of all time. I told him on I had him on the show, I had him on a, a podcast maybe in 2011 during that whole NBA Finals run with the Mavericks, and I had him on for an hour, and I'm like, holy shit, Jason Kidd, an hour. Usually you probably you'd be lucky you get five minutes with these guys nowadays. And J Kid was in his hotel room. And said, I got all the time in the world. I'm like, okay. So we had a conversation and I told him, you're my favorite point guard ever because I I did not see Isaiah in his prime. I did not see Magic in his prime. I, I, you know, I might be 35 years old, but I, did, I, was, I saw Jordan and beyond in their prime. I did not see Larry Bird in his prime. So Jay Kidd coming out of college in 94, no, 93, 94 from California, my brother and I would watch... Uh, college basketball games of him in, from uh, um, California Bears on on TV, but at midnight. So my brother was like, like the same thing your dad told you. You, you got to watch number five. My brother told me you got to watch number five in gold. And I'm like, who is he? As Jason Kidd. Like, oh shit, okay. So then when he gets drafted by the Mavericks and he does, he goes to Phoenix and New Jersey and whatever. It's like, wow, I saw this this guy. In you know throughout throughout his whole career, and I know everything about him. So it's like when it came time to say who's your favorite point guard of all time, I go with J. Kidd. Right, but the feeling is mutual. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, everything you said was spot on. And and you know, look with Jason Kidd and, and looking back at those New Jersey days and reading about 
stuff that came out afterwards. You know, when when he came, the Nets were a support team. I mean, they were they were horrible. They were a dysfunctional organization. And you know, he sat them down at a dinner and he said, "The losing stops now." And 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 they went on to obviously make the finals that year. And mm-hmm. you know, I think I think obviously his leadership is one thing. You know, he made so many other players around him so great. He made so many players so much money, but. It was just, it was it was almost magical the way, uh, he he the, the way he made the game look effortless. Like True. he knew where to get guys the ball. You know, well, the first thing that he would ask players is, you know, where do you like to catch the ball? Where do you like to shoot the ball? And I think it's things like that that, especially now, kids growing up playing basketball, point guards especially, they got to understand that. That is so important that where guys like to catch the ball, where they're comfortable. So, you know, you talk about the leadership, um, making it look, look effortless. And, and even him coming into the league and, and he had this this nickname called, what, it was Ace and Kid because he had no J. And then now you look and, and he's, I think he's top five in three-point field goals made or something <laughs> yeah, like right. that. And, Crazy. You know, he, he just, he, he, just when you thought he couldn't get better, at what he did, what he did, he always seemed to to take that next step and 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 make something out of nothing. And and now is the magician in Jason Kidd. Now, J. Kidd goes to New Jersey from Phoenix. So those who don't know, Jason Kidd was a Maverick and a son before he became a New Jersey Net. And at the same time, they have one of my other favorite point guards, um, Stephon Marbury, on that roster in Jersey and. You know, they did not win. And Phoenix was pretty decent in the Western Conference with J. Kidd. And they made a trade in 2001. Um, J. Kidd and a whole bunch of players, which, you know, I, I can't even pronounce one of them. But involved with, was Johnny Newman, Somali, Somalia, Samaki, Chris Dudley, all involved in this Marbury um Jason Kidd trades, and now J. Kidd goes to New Jersey, Marbury goes to Phoenix, and then we have the resurgence of the New Jersey Nets. And at the time, Anthony, man, I'm a Knicks fan at this point, and New Jersey was like the best team in, in, in New York. Um, obviously, there, there was no Brooklyn at, at, at that time, so it was New Jersey or New York. And New Jersey kicked our ass for many years, man. It, it was it was it was horrible. It was like, oh my god, like Jason Kidd, Kenya Martin, Richard Jefferson throwing alley oops in the garden, just embarrassing us. I'm like, okay, like you guys felt like not only you were good, um, not only you can make a make a playoff run, but you guys felt like you can make the NBA Finals, which you did, and you guys were the one seed in that O2 playoffs. Um, with like 50 plus win. I think you had like a 24 win plus uh um you know turnaround from last year and you guys make it to the to, to the NBA finals and, and and I dare say could have lost in round 1 with the with the Reggie huh. Miller shot which <laughs> some people to huh. this day felt like that shot should not have counted but this shouldn't thing. have shouldn't <laughs> have <laughs> so that was before the the advent of the replay and everything so um then you guys go through a crazy conference finals with the Celtics. You you, uh, you guys had a 25-point lead, I think, in game three. Boston comes back in the fourth quarter. They win game three. But eventually you guys win and get Shaq and Kobe in, um, in the finals. But 
the question I asked you this um, before I get to that finals, I've always said Jason Kidd should have won the MVP that year. Um, and again, I could be biased because I'm a J. Kidd fan, but Tim Duncan won that year, probably 25 and 12. They went to the second round. J. Kidd was getting triple doubles left and right, took New Jersey from a 26-win team to a 52-win team. They go to the finals. So I'm asking you, how in the world does Jason Kidd not win the MVP in 2002 and loses to Tim Duncan? I think it was just set in stone that Tim Duncan was going to win. You know, he he was the successor to to David Robinson, and and you know, I think I think obviously his big year just, you know, he he was he was the face of the NBA. You know, he was the guy, that, the up and coming spur that that was changing their franchise. Where Jason Kidd was this kind of, you know, he was he was obviously great, but he was with this almost unknown team that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, it was almost like, you know, you talk about clout and hype and things like that. You know, Jay Kidd didn't really have that. He didn't have people believing him in him until they they actually made the finals. And even then, I still, you know, Continental Airlines wasn't even sold out. I, I still don't think people were sold on him completely. And I just, you know, I have no good explanation why he didn't win. Obviously, I'm probably biased, too. I think he should have. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you talk about value to your team. You talk about uh, just turning obviously like you mentioned a support 20 win team into a 55 win finals team you know i i don't know what else he needed to do to win that mvp that year i mean listen man i i think that's one that the nba got wrong but listen tim duck is a hall of famer multiple time champion take i take nothing away from him the greatest power forward of all time but i think you know you, you got to go with the impact you make on your team. And, you know, nobody here was like, oh, New Jersey's going to make the finals <clears throat> at some point. And they make one trade. Um, so you put JK with K- uh, Kmart, uh, Jefferson with the rookie. You get Kerry Kittles. I mean, you, know, you, you have Kerry Kittles. Uh, Lucius Harris, your center was uh, Todd, Mc- Todd McCullough. Todd McCullough. Yeah, you got Keith Van Horn, so a nice, decent roster, and you take that team to the finals, bro. I mean, like, oh man. Then you beat Boston, you beat Indiana, and I forgot who you beat second round. Maybe Charlotte, Charlotte, yeah, Baron Davis. So now you go through that, you get Kobe and Shaq. So before any game pops off. Are you saying? Are you at home? Like, yeah, we can take down Kobe and Shaq. Did, did, they're going for a three P. Did you feel like you your team had any chance against LA? I think at that point it was you know we could take on the whole world. We made it this far. Why not win it all? But mm. you know when 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 you take a step back and obviously now we're talking seventeen years later. You know you look at at that Shaq and Kobe team and and you know there was there was no shot. I mean obviously the Nets had a good squad. They they had a good run, but you know I, I, again in the moment. You felt like the Nets could beat anybody, you know, but but it it, it wasn't it wasn't in the cards. They were going for the three peat and and that team was just dynamite. Yeah, um, I mean, again, Kobe and Shaq trying to get trying to get a three peat, and you take this New Jersey Nets team there. Could they have won a game or two, maybe? But even with that, you know, you, you as a fan, would you be 
would you have been satisfied with getting one game or at least two games and as opposed to getting swept? Yeah, I think I think it was just the fact that we were there and you know, I'll never forget we we're down 3-0 and and you know, it was a close game in the fourth and you know, everybody in New Jersey just wanted that one win. They just wanted to take one from Shaq and Kobe because they were so dominant that series. And I'll never forget I, I think it was Kobe that hit the dagger 3 and just absolutely put a dagger right in my 7-year-old heart. You know, like like I mean, they really they really sent us home. Mm. upset and 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 i think i think the feeling randy like walking back into you know walking back to the car was was not that you know ah uh, man like we just lost the finals it was more that like damn like this season is over you know like like yeah this this something so special something that you know we may never ever ever get to witness again uh you know it just it, it, it's it's done and you know you get that that feeling, like that feeling in your stomach, where mm. you just you never know. And it, fortunately for them, they were back a year later. So, right now, you you know you 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 do mention that O three season. Now we know they got there in O two. Now when they get there again in O three, are were you more shocked of them getting there the first time or or the second time? Definitely the first time, just because. I mean that team just you know they weren't good without Jason Kidd you know they had they they, they had the same team basically with Stephon Marbury you know uh, but you know when Kidd came it was just guys like Kerry Kittles were 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 becoming stars and guys like Keith Van Horn were becoming stars they're all taking that next step you know even look at a guy like Todd McCullough or Jason Collins you know just 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 doing their role rebounding and 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 holding the other big man in check you know Jay Kidd knew how to orchestrate the offense. He knew how to put guys in spots where they'll, they'll succeed. And, and it didn't necessarily mean you have to score the rock to be effective on this team. So, um, I, I, I was definitely more surprised with that first year, just because given where they were coming from. Let me do some, let me, let me try to catch you off guard here. If, if I ask you to, to name me, if you can't name all of them, majority of the players who were on the 2002 NBA Finals roster for New Jersey, can you, can you name them all? I think I can. Okay. Um, Let's all see. Right, so we got Jason Kidd. Yes. Kerry Kittles. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Ken, Kenya Martin. Yes, sir. Jason Collins. Yep. Todd McCullough. Yep. Richard Jefferson. Yes, sir. They had Tamar Slay. Nope, Tamar Slay nope. on 03. Wow, okay. All right, Brandon Armstrong. <laughs> Brandon Armstrong, yes. Was Jamie Fike on that team? Gee, no. All right, Lucius Harris. Yeah. Um, wow, I feel like Aaron Williams, the A-Train. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm missing an obvious one here, too. Uh, I, I'll, I'll help you out. Um. Brian Scalabrini. Scalabrini, I can't. How could I forget that? Um, um, how, how many am I missing right now? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Donnie Marshall was on that team. All right, we got four more to go. Um, I remember Anthony Johnson. Just, just I think he was a high pick on that team. Yep, we got three more. Uh, oh my god. I mean, if you don't get them, I I don't blame you. It's not really household names, so I'm not gonna kill you for there, that. But there was there was one young guy, uh, Steve Goodrich. Steve Goodrich, 
Yo, how do you remember Steve Goodrich? <laughs> I just, I, I, man, you, you got to understand. After every game, before every game, I would read every single program. Like that was like, mm-hmm. I would take every single one home. I would, I would, I would get so excited. Like, right. And that's for my whole life, man. I, that's yeah. the most I can name. But I, I'll tell you what, Randy. Like I, I tell you, like I, I, I bled the red, white, and blue New Jersey Nets colors as a kid. I fell in love the, yeah. the day I went, and I mean, to this day, I. I my dad kept all the books and, and, you know, some people say, you know, why the hell didn't I throw this out? For me, I look back at it and, and you know, appreciate it for so many reasons. Before I tell you the other two, I, you know what? The great New Jersey net uniforms, um, underrated, bro. I, something the gray about the, ones. Yeah, the gray ones. I'm, I'm trying to get them to bring those back. Oh, man. please I, do. Please. Throwback night. Yeah, man. Randy. Randy, they don't even have a jersey that says Nets on it. I mean, how disrespectful is that? Uh, very, very disrespectful. I mean, come on, man. You, I, I need a, I need that that navy blue joint. Um, the gray joint. I've I've been to the Brooklyn um headquarters bef- uh, before, and I I saw it hanging up one time. But I, that that gray joint, man, yo, fire, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. And I'm telling, and it fits. It kind of fits with their color scheme right True. now too. It definitely does. It's just got a little hint of red in it. So if they just write nets on that, man, that would be perfect. And I think, you know, like I mentioned to you all the time, and this is something that I maybe will discuss later, you know, just embracing the history. I think that it'll go a long way with, with the long-term, long-term fans that, that yeah. have been here for, you know, since day one. Exactly. If, if they made a jersey like that. Um, You forgot Reggie Slater. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember him. I don't blame you. And um, <laughs> Derek, Derek Dial. Yeah, another yeah, one I don't remember. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, 03, a, 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 a different roster. Some 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 new names. We we know the the main names, but um, you mentioned Tamar Slay. He's on 03 finals roster. Rodney Rogers is now on 03. Yeah, the Kembe they added that year, right? The Kembe, yes. Um, and Chris Childs. Yeah, remember him, Chris Child, former former Nick. Once a Nick, always a Nick, huh? Um, <laughs> I I felt the, the the Matumbo acquisition. I think it was big for you guys because we you know Matumbo was there in Philly against LA, and I think at that time, not just New Jersey, a lot of teams were. You know, it's funny nowadays. People want their team to you know resemble the Warriors. They want people who can go against the Warriors. Back then, they wanted guys that could defend Shaq. They wanted people to, to defend Kobe. Um, yes. So like, you know, like like the Portlands and the Sacramentos of the world, they, they, they get these guys, they make these trades because they need someone to guard Shaq in the playoffs. So now you guys uh, get rid of Tom McCullough. I don't know where he goes after this. You get Matumbo, veteran, who played against Shaq in uh, 01 finals. Um, so I think I think now is their thinking of let's get Matumbo for rebounding and blocking and, and defending Shaq. But still, I don't think that was enough to get you guys over the hump. Because now you get you get San Antonio in the finals, not even L.A. You get Dunk, uh, Duncan and Robinson. So I think this is Robinson's final year. You get San Antonio uh, a better series. I think San Antonio won in six. But even with that, I felt you guys – had a real strong chance of winning in that finals. 
I thought so too. And, and oh man, I, I think it was Game Six. I think the Nets were up double digits in the fourth quarter, if my memory's correct. And um, there was a feeling of if if the Nets could close this out, then they're going to win this series. And and you know, sure as hell, Tim Duncan I think scores like 15 straight points or something like that, and completely drowns their hopes. And you know, you see David Robinson winning in his last year and, and the up and coming Spurs at the time, manager Nobly, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, you know, rejoicing on their home court. It was uh it was so deflating. I mean I I really, really thought they had a good chance that year. Especially when they brought it to six. I was like, you know, they could do this. They had it. It was it was right in their hands and you could ask anybody mm. that was in the front office, that was part of the coaching staff, any of the players, you know, they'll say the same thing. They thought, you know, if they were going to a game seven, they were winning that game. Now, the question I got to ask you because, you know, again, this show is a bunch of what ifs. And I, I recall back in the day that when Jason Kidd, and you could tell me the year in case I mess up, either he in 03, I believe it's 03, he was a free agent or something like that. Yeah. And he was debating staying with New Jersey or going to San Antonio. And at the same time, San Antonio um, had Tony Parker. So I read somewhere that, you know, if Jason Kidd can go back and kind of has one regret or can change one thing, he would assign with San Antonio that year to play with Duncan and not re-sign with New Jersey. So paint me a picture of, one, do you think Jay Kidd, should have signed with San Antonio when he had the chance? Do you think it was the right thing for him to stay with New Jersey? And how would his his career have gone on if he went to San Antonio and played with Tim Duncan? No, Randy, that's, that's an intriguing what if, just because there's so many factors that come into play here. I mean, you know, first off, him re-signing showed that, you know, J.K. was loyal. You know, he, he built something and he wanted to stick with it, which mm-hmm. was obviously, as, you know, somebody from a Nets background, that's great. But, you know, you look at his career, if he goes to San Antonio, they probably win another championship, uh, you know, sooner than they did after that. But the thing that I am curious about, the what if that I want to know is, okay. you know, if Kid did go there, what would have happened to Tony Parker? You know, we know the Nets would have been on mm. on decline, but right. what what would have happened to Tony Parker's career if Jason Kidd decided to go there? You know, would he have been the same player that he he turned out to be? You know, that's I think that's I think that's so intriguing, and it, it affects so many other players. Yeah, I mean, you because it, it's not like Tony Parker was um, on on that was his. Second year, I think he came in 02, so it wasn't like he was on a trading block or had a major contract. He was a free agent. So, J.K. comes along, Tony Parker might be the backup, in yeah, my opinion, and, and then probably gone in free agency. Yeah, and not had to, and not had the chance to really show out and to show what he can do. And Tony Parker may not be a four-time champ today. That's what I'm saying, man. I I, I think if J.K. went there, it would change. The whole script and narrative of the of the Spurs, and you know, honestly, you, you look at them, and and a big kudos to them through all these years is that everything was organic. It was homegrown. You know, Tony Parker was one of their own. You know, you wonder even with their own legacy, if Jason Kidd had signed there in free agency, would that have kind of changed the narrative in the in the sense that you know, all right, they got a free agent to help them. 
you know, along the way instead of, like I said, it being a homegrown organic team. Mm. And plus, it's the same thing that the Spurs could ask where, you know, Tim Duncan was a free agent in 2000. and And the main story was, you know, Tim Duncan might go to Orlando and with the team with T-Mac and Grant Hill and we all know that didn't happen so that that was a major what if I had a few weeks ago what if Duncan had left San Antonio in 2000 then J.K. may not even may not even think about playing in San Antonio if, if Tim Duncan out there especially when David Robinson is retiring yeah with, with, with no Tim Duncan I don't think J.K. would have even considered San Antonio I don't know what for big free agents they've landed over the years as, as a small market team, even with all the success that they've had. I mean, you know, so without Duncan, I don't, I don't see Kid going there, yeah. or even considering it. I should say. Could J Kid signed a six-year, one hundred and three million dollar um, contract with New Jersey that year? So you got they got J Kid for, I think it was six more years. I'm not even sure if he. Was there the entire time? I know he got traded to, to to the Mavericks, so maybe he didn't even play out that whole tenure. So, um, I mean, they did make a couple playoffs, and I think that's why I said New Jersey was probably one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference with Boston and with Detroit. Um, after those two finals, they go to multiple playoffs, a couple second-round knockouts and first-round knockouts, and... By the time of Noah, we get to like 07, and let me double check the 07. No, you probably get to, yeah, 07. That's the last time New Jersey made the playoffs until they got to Brooklyn. So, yeah. um, it's very, very interesting time. That whole era was a bunch of what ifs. And I look at New Jersey as a team that could have, if they had held together, and plus the fact you guys lost Kenyon Martin and, um, Oh four, he goes to After Denver. The, the, so how big was that losing Kmart to Denver? What a debacle! I mean, that was that was the downfall of, I think you know, look, the Nets made the playoffs after that, and they were a good good basketball team. But you know, they lost Kenyon Martin. They they lost the heart and soul. Not just not just their second best player on the team, but they lost the heart and soul of their team. And and I think after that, you know, finals expectations and things like that were out the window. Um, you know, and and you know, you look back, and and now that things have been revealed and said, and you find out that the owner didn't want to spend as much money. Bruce Ratner didn't want to spend as much money, so you know, Kenya Martin wanted to stay, and and he kind of just he he kicked him out of town. You know, as as somebody who was a fan at that time, especially, you know, it's it's heartbreaking to hear that because mm. Kenya Martin was a fan favorite. I mean, the guy was electric. He, you know, yeah. he was perfect next to Jason Kidd, and. To just take that away after two finals appearances, you know, it was just, it was just why, you know, why are they doing this? Why, like, they're making the same mistakes they made before Jason Kidd had came here, you know, that, that made them a dysfunctional organization. So, I think there was a lot of uncertainty after after Kenya Martin was gone, but you know, luckily they they were able to hold it together. You know, they still had Jay Kidd, so everything was all right. So how how difficult or how, or how odd was it to see Kmart in a Denver Nugget uniform? I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, look, man, like I, I, I'll always have that, 
that image of Kmart, you know, going up to the New Jersey crowd with his with his hand behind his ears, mm-hmm. you know, or ripping yeah. his jersey before, you know, like 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 firing the crowd up, getting everybody going, and you know, in that in that those classic gray jerseys or those classic white, yep. navy blue, you know, it was like just I I could see it in my head right now, and and I remember when he was in Denver, it was just always loved Kmart, but it was just it was never the same, and and even being a Nets fan, it was like. It was watching Kid and everything, watching VC after that, watching RJ. They were fun, but without Kmart, they weren't the New Jersey Nets that I knew. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned RJ, and I think there was one year where I think Kmart and Kid were hurt in the beginning of the year, and I think that gave the spotlight to RJ. RJ was getting 22 or 23 a game. I, I don't know what the record was, but that gave him – the spotlight to say, all right, no JK for now, no Kmart for now. I'm gonna run a team and do my thing and and get and get better. And he was getting 20 plus a game. I think that was maybe the bright spot you guys had. That not only JK was maybe option one or Kmart was option one, depending on how you you know format it. But RJ was getting buckets, and that was a prime time for him to be the third option on that roster. Yeah, it's funny with with Richard Jefferson, you know, during those finals years, it kind of feel like he just kind of flew under the radar because he was the young guy and and they had so many players chipping in and this, that, you know, Kid, Kmart and and everybody else. But, you know, he really, for me, I don't think RJ was glorified enough until he was, you know, like you mentioned, the second, third guy on the team with Vince Carter, Kid and and himself. Uh, I don't think he got enough credit until that point until they hit that point of basically desperation and and really needed him to be that third guy but you know he was obviously an integral part of those those final runs and he was what he was a rookie in 02 i believe or 102 yeah he was he was so young so i mean you know you look at that i i don't think he got enough credit for what he did early on not definitely not you know and plus you know you guys go through a coaching turmoil with Byron Scott, then you get Lawrence Frank, and then you guys go on a major winning streak. Uh, I think in 04, then you know you lose to Detroit in the conference semis. There's a you know Miami first round, and it's like you know by the time 07 come around, and during this time you guys get Vince Carter. So Vince Carter comes on in 05, um, maybe for Alonzo and some other people involved. You know, Alonzo Morning and Eric Williams. Oh wow, what a what a blockbuster! Um, Eric yeah, Williams and Joe, pick, I think for 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 Vince Sanity, he's on your roster. I I, I recall being in college, and at the time, you you just probably look online or whatever. There's no Twitter and stuff like that, and like holy shit, Vince Carter's a New Jersey net, and that's 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 all they gave up for him. Um, I thought okay, so now now Kmart is out, now, but now you have Vince Carter, RJ, and J Kid. So me. I, I'm not a net fan, but I'm like, okay, you guys are right, are right back in it. And Vince Carter was still getting 20, 22, 25 a game, still, still, still young. Um, so I'm thinking like, all right, this is like your, you know, your new big three from Kmart, RJ, and J Kid to Vince Carter, RJ, and J Kid. Now I'm like, all right, so you guys, you guys got it going on, and it just never manifested into what it should have been because there was Detroit out there in that time. LeBron, the Cavaliers were nowhere near you guys until 07. Um, 
Garnett and Pierce and Ray Allen, they came in 08. So that's why I feel like during that time, it was a lost opportunity for New Jersey to get that championship ring. Because when you look on the other side, in the Western Conference, there was San Antonio. There was the Mavericks in 06. Um, LA in 04. And 07 was San Antonio. So basically, you would, you would go against San Antonio at least two or three times with that roster. But I just don't know what it was. Somebody got hurt or just, just the, the chemistry wasn't there. But Vince Carter, RJJ Kid, man, that would have been dope to go back to the finals. You know what it was, Randy? They, they lost their foundation. They lost Keith Van Horn. They lost Kerry Kittles. And, you know, I say it all the time. Like that team, that big three you mentioned, it was so good. But they were missing that one piece, that one tough guy. And, and that one tough guy was, was Kenyon Martin. Um, they, they were never able to fill the void after him. I mean... I, I guess the closest thing that they had to a, a tough, tenacious big mm. after Kenya Martin that, that could run the floor with Jay Kidd and throw alley oops to was was a guy that came out of nowhere, Mikey Moore. You know, and wow. You know, yeah, you, I mean I say the name and it's like who the hell is that guy? You know, it's like almost <laughs> like the Conor McGregor Jim, you know, like who is that guy? But but you know, you think about it, they were trying to fill the void of of losing Kenya Martin all those years where if they had kept him, if Bruce Ratner didn't make that mistake, you know, they, we might be talking about, you know, maybe maybe they could have actually came away with a finals victory. I, I think I think that, like I said, I think if they have Kenya Martin, things would be a lot different right now. No, I agree, man. Kmart was Kmart is like what Draymond is to to Golden State to a degree, probably. I wouldn't say better offensively, but I think I think they're kind of even. I think Draymond is like a, a, a somewhat better Kenyon Martin to a degree, and uh, I, I I think Kmart scores scored better than Draymond. Um, but like like you said, once you lose the heart and soul of their roster, it's very difficult to to replace that, and and it showed because Kmart goes to Denver. You guys get bumped out first round, second round. Uh, then don't even make the playoffs for for a hot minute. You trade Jason Kidd. I'm looking at it now. Um, you trade him to Dallas in uh, what year was this? I think 07, 08, one of those. 07, yeah. 07, and check this out. So Jay Kidd, Malik Allen, and Antoine Wright to the Mavericks for yeah. Devin Harris, Mo, Mo Ager, Trenton Hassel, Sagana yep. <laughs> Chop, uh, a draft pick that would that would become Ryan Anderson, a draft pick that would become Jordan Crawford, and a retired Keith Van Horn. So yeah, that's who you got back for Jason Kidd. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Randy, there was a point where Devin Harris he was an All Star, and he, yes, was, he was yep, he was damn good in New Jersey. Like he was, he was the real deal. I think his first. Maybe his first or his second season here. And it was to the point where the Nets were blowing out the Mavericks so bad one game. I'll never forget sitting in the stands at the Continental Airlines Arena. And, and fans were chanting, thank you, Cuban. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Mm. You know, there's my childhood hero. There's the guy that, that changed the whole narrative on this organization, brought them success. And, and we have this kid named Devin Harris coming in here and, and and not only showing up kid on his old home floor but I mean he looked like he was going to be the real deal but he you know injuries plagued him 
Obviously, the Darren Williams thing came up, and, and Devin Harris was the first piece aside from those draft picks that, that they were throwing in there. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's amazing how majority of these veterans and Hall of Famers, they, you know, they, they never leave their original team on, like, their own terms. They, they, they get traded, and there's heat. There's, um, you know, they don't get along. Like, when you know, when... when Vince Carter gets traded from Toronto to, to Jersey, then he goes back to Toronto and he's a villain. Or when Chris Botch signs with Miami, he goes back to Toronto, he's a villain. LeBron's LeBron is, is exhibit number, you know, A. He signs with Miami, he goes back to Cleveland, and they just boom at the building. And it's like and sometimes there are other trade that trades that happen um that's pretty much out of your control. So when People are saying thank you, Cuban, for you know uh, trading for Jason Kidd and getting him out of here. When Jay Kidd did nothing wrong with the 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 organization, it just kind of kind of crazy and sad how these these players they start off hot one team, then when things start not to go well, they get blamed for it. And by the time I know you're out, and they they feel like this uh, revenge tour that the next time they play their former team on their home court, it's like it's never. I thank you. I ha- had a great time here. It's time to move on. Blase, blase. It's always like a revenge. Like I, I got to get 30, 40, 50 against my old team. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't think I don't think when Kid left, I don't know if there was really any hatred. I think the time was right. Um, they had lost in the conference semifinals to LeBron and the Cavs in six. And, and, you know, you could just tell it wasn't there anymore. So, I, you know, I don't know if there was really any hatred towards him, but I do I do completely agree and understand everything that you're saying. You know, um, I think that mm. fans just want to feel they just they just want to get mad just to get mad. I mean, I, even in society now, I think people just want to get mad just to get mad. Like, like there's so much there's more hatred than there is nostalgia like you kind of mentioned and and the Vince Carter thing with Toronto is hysterical because you know none of that was in his control he didn't demand out of there you know he just yeah. he got traded one day you know so you know now now they're looking back at it they're making documentaries about him you know how he basically put Toronto sports and Toronto basketball on the map and and you know how he's going to be retired his jersey's going to be retired and yeah all these vid- you know and like just the narrative changes so fast where uh, you know it, it just it, it's funny to see uh you know how time heals all i guess yeah and you, you know you mentioned d will so that was a very interesting time and uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't sound too happy about that <laughs> look randy I, I got good and bad things to say with d will you know there was, there was there was some fun times with him i will i will give him the credit of that um for those who don't remember, D. Will traded from Utah. I, I thought, you know, D. Will, there was a time that when him and Chris Paul came out of the draft in 05, that there was a time, Anthony, that people did say D. Will was better than Chris Paul. Um, yeah. Some may deny it. Some could look back now. And, oh, yeah, I mean, get, you know, yeah, whatever. Chris Paul, way better than D. Will. Yeah, you say that now. But in that time frame with Utah and Chris Paul was with New Orleans, um, D. Will was destroying dudes, bro. He was going out there 20, 20, 25 a game, 8, 9, 10 assists, going to the playoffs, going to the conference finals. 
because before last year, Chris Paul was never near the conference finals. So D-Will got there long ago and maybe, I would say, if not a tougher, a damn near the same Western Conference. So you get that guy. First of all, did you ever feel D-Will was better than Chris Paul at any point? I did. I, I thought I thought when he was traded to the Nets, he was better than Chris Paul. And it seemed like he always served them up, like you said. Um, I think that Chris Paul had a lot more hype around him because he was a little bit more flashy and he, he did a little bit of this and that, the oohs and ahs. But, you know, Darren Williams was, uh, I mean, man, he was a force. Like, like his, his Even like in Jersey, his first couple of years, his first two years in New Jersey, he was he was unbelievable. I remember him dropping 55 against the, the Charlotte Bobcats. It was one of the most incredible incredible performances I've ever seen in my life. And, and uh, yeah, again, at the time, the Nets, if you remember this, Randy, you know, they were they were trying so hard to go after Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. They, were, they were willing to throw everything and anything at Carmelo because New Jersey, uh, excuse me, Brooklyn was on the horizons. They had one and a half seasons left in New Jersey till Brooklyn. So they needed that. They, they felt like they needed that superstar. And, and Melo just... Melo wanted to go to Brooklyn, but he did not want to go to New Jersey. He did not want to play that one and a half year in in, in, in New Jersey, in, in Newark, New Jersey, nonetheless. You know, like, they kept moving all over the place. And um, he ended up with the Knicks, obviously. And one day later, you know, I see this trade. The Nets get Darren Williams. I'm thinking the Nets have the best point guard in, you know, in the NBA. I, I'm thinking, you know, this might be J-Kid part two. And... Mm. You know, don't get me wrong, Randy. Like I said, you know, the first two, three years, D. Will was incredible. He was, you know, a top three point guard. In my eyes, he was probably, I mean, Derrick Rose was probably the best point guard at the time, but I did think he was better than Chris Paul. And, and obviously we know after that, it just it just went downhill. He had, he had a couple injuries and, you know, the rest was history. Do you think D. Will gets um – like I, I want to say overlooked or underrated or just doesn't get talked about enough as he should because whatever happened with injuries or the fallout with Brooklyn or New Jersey, whatever case may be, do you feel like people just don't why doesn't fan why don't fans talk much about Darren Williams? You know what it is, man? It was it was the way he handled it. It was the way he handled adversity. Um he you know they gave the keys to this guy. They 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 traded basically anybody and you know they they basically said Darren will do whatever you want. So they go and trade uh, an unprotected first to to Portland for Gerald Wallace, and that was the year the Nets were like six games out of the eighth spot. Mm. So they thought maybe they can make a little run with Darren Williams on the team now. They happen to go on a ridiculous losing streak. They fall out of the playoffs. Damian Lillard gets picked with, taken with that pick. That next year, obviously, the Dwight Howard saga happens. He never comes through. So a lot of things fell through, and, and a lot of it was because it was in the hands of Darren Williams. But my problem, and I think a lot of fans' problem with him, especially in Brooklyn, was that he just he just never – seemed like he wanted it he seemed like he would give up on the team um i remember an article coming out where he he actually called out new yorkers saying you know like he was talking about how his kids he can't let his kids outside and they can't do the things that they would be able to do in dallas where his hometown is and 
you know, this, that, and the other thing, just dissing New York left and right. And then he ended the interview by saying, you know, New Yorkers are tough, or or at least they think they are. Now, again, Randy, this is the face of your franchise, and right. and, and they just they just moved to Brooklyn, hmm. and this guy's gonna come out and say basically to the fan base that you guys think you're tough, and 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 you know how that goes. You're a New Yorker. You're you're like me. Yeah. I mean, somebody says that, I'm telling you to get the hell out of New York. <laughs> you know, like, damn I, so, right. You know, I think I think there was this this this. Just the way it was, just the way he handled things. Nothing was perfect in Brooklyn. Billy King and them were obviously all dysfunctional, and you know the situation could have been better. But it was more little things like that, just not not acting like he cared, not acting like he loved where he was. And you know what, Randy, I understand. You know, not every situation is going to be perfect or the way you think it's going to be, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a professional athlete. There are so many kids out there and, and, and people that, that look up to this guy as, as a, as a basketball player, as a, as a person. And, you know, he just, he never seemed grateful for, for what they did to him. And I, it really tainted their first couple of years in Brooklyn and, and set them back a lot. And, and it comes to the point where Nets fans can't appreciate him. Uh, you know, the, the good that he did do, I mean, they, they did, make it to the playoffs with him and and he was averaging 20 and 8 I think that year you know he was he was he was the guy and he just he didn't want it he didn't want it and and suddenly you start seeing missing posters outside of Barclays Center and and things like that and you know he just he wasn't the leader and even when he got traded you know he never like put up a thank you New Jersey thank you Nets or anything like that he just mm-hmm. and I think that ticked off a lot of fans too just because you know God forbid you just send out a tweet saying thank you. Because, again, like I said, there's thousands of kids out there wearing his jersey and, and looking up to this guy, and he just never seemed like he was grateful for it. So, again, it, it goes back to just the way he handled it. But his, his skill set was uh, undeniable, man. Um, Yeah, man, he was a two-time All-Star, one time in Utah, one time in New Jersey. By the time he got to you guys, he was uh, getting 20 and 10. He averaged... 2018 and 10, 11 for like four straight years. So he was looking like a J Kid 2.0. So when you know you get him in in that summer or in that time frame, you know you you guys want to get Carmelo from Denver. He goes to New York. You get you get J Kid 2.0. Then you're thinking, you know, you're gonna have a great summer of getting some you know free agents and talent. Um, that doesn't happen. You guys, matter of fact. The trade for D Will, because I, I just like to laugh. Uh, D Will to New Jersey for Derek Favors, Devin Harris, and two first round draft picks. Um, also on that day, you traded Troy Murphy and a second round pick in 2012 to Golden State for Dan Gadzirik and Brandon Wright. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean that's I don't know I can't explain it like back then they sound like good trades when like you go in retrospect like Dan Gadzirik like what are you doing getting Dan Gadzirik yeah. ran and right you know just it it never made any sense and, <laughs> and it, even like the Gerald Wallace trade I, like I, I mentioned before you know Wallace was a solid ball player but Man, he was on a fast decline, and, and we saw that in Brooklyn. You know, he, he wasn't getting them into the playoffs, and he, he certainly wasn't doing much when he came to Brooklyn. So, 
like like everything they did was was for D Will and and it just obviously turned out to be a, a nightmare. So now they go to Brooklyn, they make the move. Um, you as a fan, are you happy about the move? Are you happy that it's closer to your house? Is you know, it's not all the way at, at, at Continental or Izard Center now. It's a brand new brand new field, brand new building, Jay Z's involved and it's a whole different dynamic. How happy were you that the the Nets made the move to Brooklyn? You know, Randy, I I, I said and I said it earlier, you know, like taking the rides, those two hour rides from Queens to New Jersey was is something I'll always hold close to my heart because that was, you know, it was time for me and my dad to talk and, and really just talk about basketball and, and life. And mm-hmm. and I got to pick his brain and whatever it might be. And, you know, really, it grew our relationship a lot. So I, I cherish those days for what it was. Right. But, you know, when when they did move, I was a senior in high school. You know, I was starting to grow up a little bit. Me and my dad weren't going to as many games as much. He was sick. And, you know, just for me to be closer to the team, you know, to see the rebrand, you know, the black and white colors and, and all this, you know, like all this hype, you know, Jay-Z being around the team and this new Russian owner, you know, putting a, a big billboard outside of, of James Dolan's office. You know, it was like, <laughs> man, finally, like we're getting res- like the Nets are getting the respect they deserve. You know, we had been in the trenches for so long, especially after that 12 and 70 season where we thought we were getting John Wall, we were getting the first first pick, uh, and it never happened. It turned out to be Derek Favors, which eventually turned into Darren Williams. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. um, it just it seemed like that sparkly new toy that you get for Christmas. You know, it was like, it was, it was so exciting. And, and now that, you know, for me, being a reporter for them, being somebody that, uh, as as kind of grown with these with the with the Nets a little bit, um, I, I you know I don't think I'd be where I'm at if they didn't move to Brooklyn. So I for me I'm forever grateful. Right. I'll always hold on to those New Jersey memories. I'll always hold on to the days I got to spend with my dad, my brother. But um, like like moving to Brooklyn, I think was the best thing that ever happened to them because if they don't move to Brooklyn, they're probably in Seattle right now. They're probably in Las Vegas right now. I mean, you, you know, you guys started off hot, you know, with the, with the rebrand and you guys make the playoffs in the first three years. You know, you, you get the veterans like Garnett and Pierce and to go along with D. Will and Joe Johnson. And on paper, you're like, damn, D. Will, Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Wow. OK, now, now we can do some work um, in our division and in our conference. Um, you lose to Chicago in seven in, in the first year. You lose, yeah. you win the first round in seven against Toronto. I, I do recall that. Um, who made who made the block? Uh, Pierce, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pierce came with the block so against I, the I Raptors. Do re- I do recall that. And then you guys lost in, in the first round to Atlanta the year after. So you haven't been to the playoffs in the last three to four years. I shouldn't be talking because my Knicks haven't been to the uh, to the playoffs since thirteen. <laughs> um, so you start off hot, cooled down the last three years, but now you're making a resurgence this year. Uh, very happy, very proud of you guys. But talk about those first three years of being in Brooklyn, playoffs. Um, you traded, you traded pretty much your future to get Garnett and Pierce. I, I don't think you were too much happy about that. No. And then eventually, Joe Johnson goes, D. Will goes, Paul Pierce goes, Kevin Garnett goes, and J. Kidd was a coach, so you got him back in, in uh, involved, and he goes to Milwaukee. So 
talk about the the first early go around of Brooklyn and the turmoil, the, the turnaround, and how you guys have kind of made that turnaround to where it is now. Yeah. So my first year watching that Brooklyn team, they obviously, like you mentioned, they were fun. I said it before. They were the sparkly new toy. They were a good ball club. Um, I enjoyed everything about it. I mean, you know, what was there not to enjoy? You know, they they were they were everything you want in a team. I mean, they just they they were just missing one thing, and that was toughness. So, the second year, for some reason, they make this ridiculous trade with the Celtics. Which let me let me get something straight before I, I get into the Celtics trade. Aside from from the picks, oh, <laughs> you you know that Paul Pierce. And hates the Nets. I mean, absolutely hates them. They crushed his dreams back in the day when they were in the in the what it was the conference finals. Yeah, back in '02. I mean, New Jersey fans are crazy. I mean, you could see you see a sign that says, you know, somebody please stab Paul Pierce. And not that that's a a good thing, but I, what my point is is that you know these were the enemies. These were the, these these were not Nets. Like like. It just felt so forced, and and even yeah. the first year in Brooklyn, do you, I don't know if you remember, but uh, there was a big brawl between Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, and then like Chris Humphreys and and, and a couple of the Brooklyn Nets, and it, it ended up going into the crowd a little bit. It was a, it was a pretty like nasty brawl, and you know a year later, you know we trade all these picks for for these guys, you know just because we lost the series to the Bulls. And and the explanation was that you know they needed to get tougher and things like that and you know you could just look at Paul Pierce's face at his fresh press conference with the Nets he was absolutely miserable I mean he looked like he wanted to cry and he would just he would never say anything good about the Nets he would never you know it was all about nah I gotta adjust I gotta adjust and it took him so long to to actually produce I think like the first half of the season he shot below forty percent from the field like he was just. He was god awful with the Nets, and and Kevin Garnett was way out of his prime. He was he was not the Kevin Garnett that we knew. And I know they made a run, and 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 Jay Kidd was the coach, so it, it felt good at the time. But it just it, it was all forced. It was like mm-hmm. it was like nothing nothing grew out of uh, out of what they had built uh, originally, you know, and and right. and. As a fan, as somebody who was watching at the time, it just it wasn't as enjoyable because it wasn't. It didn't feel like your own. It felt like you were rooting for a rental team, and you know you you enjoyed guys like Andre Blatch and even D Will and Lopez and and people like that. But mm. you know, for me, like you look at Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like like who are these guys? Why you know why are they here if they don't want to be here? And and yeah. and what happens? You know they lose, they win one playoff series barely against the Raptors. It was fun, but they barely win and then and then they get smoked against the Heat. And and they were handicapped the next what, five years because they didn't have their own draft pick. Mm-hmm. And they you know, they didn't want to pay up. Part of it is uh Billy King's fault. Part of it is ownership's fault. Billy King made the trade and, and, and gave away those picks and ruined what was somewhat of an organic situation. And ownership just decided in the middle of going over the luxury tax and spending all this money that oh, well, we don't want to we don't want to pay the taxes anymore so we're going to cut expenses and it just turned into an absolute nightmare so you know now you look back at all that and you know I'm thinking of when they first made that Celtics trade like I just didn't 
like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to begin with. I didn't think that, they, yeah, like, like I just, I, they were the enemies. Like I yeah, said, like, right. I, I didn't think they were nets. And, and now I look back at it even more and it's like, Oh God, you know, that trade is just, but Randy, I'll say this. If all that bad stuff doesn't happen, if all the, you know, if they don't make that trade or whatever it might be, then they might not be where they are today. Absolutely. And that is the one beautiful thing that came out of that rain shower is that the sunflower sprouted. Nope. Absolutely, man. You know, right now you guys are, you guys are doing very well and, you know, hopefully that 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 sun that sunflower thingy comes out for for New York, July first. <laughs> you know, uh, draft lottery. The Knicks, you know, the the NBA is better when you had the Knicks doing good, the Lakers doing good, um, Philly, Boston. Now you put Brooklyn, Chicago. Uh, I, I think it's like you guys have gone through so much turmoil, and so have us. So have we. So. It's only right that Brooklyn is doing good on one opposite spectrum and the Knicks w- would become good and we start really getting this crosstown rival getting back to what it should be, you know? Yeah, we need that, that New York rivalry back. Even even just New York sports in general, I feel like it's just been so bad. Um, it's hard to find really one good New York team but nonetheless, two that were in the same sport, it would be great. Just, yeah. just like for the NBA, for the NFL, whatever it might be, if, if two New York teams are good. So, obviously, you know, despite me being on the net side and, and this spectrum, you know, I, I do want to see the Knicks play well. Just because, you know, one, for the rivalry's sake and, and, and making basketball fun. And, and two, I just I just enjoy watching good basketball, man. I don't care who it is, you know. And, and, and. I mean, I don't know how long it'll take the Knicks, but like you said, July first comes and and everything could change. That's right, because you know what? If you're if you're upset about a few trades that you your team has done, bro, our team has done so many trades, and you sit back <laughs> and read online on Twitter. What what the hell's going on, Barnani? Yeah. Barnani and this draft pick for Camby and McDice, and I can go on and we get. We we sign of uh you know you know past their prime T Mac and Metal World Peace and Rashid Wallace is like even Steve Francis Steve Francis you couldn't get these guys in their prime Jason Kidd we got Jay Kidd um so many people like you could have got them in their prime Jalen Rose Vin Baker bro I can go on and on the last twenty years that's why this team the mm. Knicks need to be so lucky. This summer, man, with a free agent or free agents and a draft pick, if that goes well, we'll be seeing you in the, in, in the first round of the playoffs pretty soon. But I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. Uh, big fan of uh, D'Angelo Russell, you know, balling. He's balling out right now. The best point guard in New York right now. Um, but it's very interesting to see who they get in the, in the playoffs, man. Like, you know, Milwaukee's tough. Toronto's tough. Philly and Boston going to be tough. So, and they got to get there first, Randy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I think they, I think they will. Where are they at now? What seed? They're the seventh seed. They have three uh. games up on the ninth seed. Magic. They do own the tiebreaker, so technically four games. Damn. But they have, they have a brutal schedule. I mean, I think, I think they have what. 
they have nine games left. Eight of the nine are above five hundred teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to they got to string it together. Man, that that Sacramento game that that was crazy. That was crazy. That 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 you're telling me that game right there can really push you over the top in, in, in this playoff hunt, this playoff push. Russell getting 44 career high, man. It, it, being down 25 in the fourth quarter, he gets 27 in the fourth quarter. It's just like, holy shit, that, the Lakers traded him? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, you know, you at home, like, yeah, thank, thank you, uh, thank you, Magic. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, like you told me, Mark Cuban, everybody's saying, thank you, Cuban. Thank you, Magic, for sending me D. Russell. And, uh, for, they, and, did, they did chant that at Barclays Center. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 New York fans for you. <laughs> that's New York fans, man. It's been fun. Definitely, man. But you know what? This show has been fun, Anthony. I greatly appreciate it. I know me and you have been going back and forth trying to get you on um, and sharing some stories about the Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets, and trying to get the, you know, the history more out there. Um, whether it's 10 people or, like I said, 10 people or 100 people hit us, just know that, you know, the lineage of – Brooklyn goes back to to New Jersey. Same thing with like OKC in Seattle. People got to know more about the Sonics um, than than they do about the Thunder. So I greatly appreciate it. You can find Anthony on Twitter at a uh, with the a pooch. Did I get it right, right? A pooch. Yep. All right. A, like a dog. Yeah. A p o o c h. Uh, covering the Brooklyn Nets for SB Nation and Nets Daily. Anthony, my man, always appreciate it. Randy, always a pleasure talking with you, and thank you for having me on, man. All right, man. Take it easy.